Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode, geez, what is it? Episode 168 of the Yours Truly podcast. Do you think I would, you know, check these things and be slightly prepared before I hit record, but sometimes it's not always like that. But this is the Yours Truly podcast. My name is Claire Tuning. I am your host. I am a registered dietitian. I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. If you've been here for a while, you also know I'm a big old fan of Taylor Swift and peanut butter and jelly. That is the way I introduce myself. But thank you so much for joining me here on today's episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm doing something today on this episode that I haven't done in a while, and that is going solo, not having a guest. It's just going to be you and me today. I hope you don't mind. And we are talking about all things meal planning, all things meal prepping. I even have some grocery shopping tips, you know, snuggled into this episode. But of course, We are talking about these topics from a non-diet perspective, as we always do on the show. The recording I'm about to share with you that's going to be the bulk of today's episode is actually a test run of the free meal planning workshop that I hosted last week. little behind-the-scenes information for you here. Whenever I do a webinar or a masterclass or a free workshop, a lot of planning goes into that, as you can imagine, and I always like to have my slides and my presentation done by latest morning of the actual event so that sometime during the day leading up to the event that's usually in the evening, I can do a dry run or a practice of the presentation. So today, this is I'm coming to you on the day of the workshop, Thursday, May 19th. So I'm recording the podcast about a week or so before it will go out. But earlier today when I was planning on practicing this, I thought to myself, why not plug in the good old podcasting microphone and record my test run so that I can share it with everyone on the podcast. I know not everyone is going to be able to attend the workshop, although it is free. I know there are time constraints. I know especially if people have kids, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern time was kind of right there with bedtime. So if you didn't hear about the workshop in time, if you weren't able to attend, if you haven't caught the replay yet, like if you signed up for the workshop but you haven't checked your email inbox to get the full replay, then uh, you're in the right spot. And we're going to go through it here on today's episode of the podcast. So stay tuned for a couple of client case studies. I share some stories where I have helped some of of my one-on-one clients with their meal planning and grocery shopping struggles. I take you through an activity where you will have the opportunity to brainstorm some delicious and balanced meals of your own that hopefully you can take and go into the grocery store maybe as soon as you finish this episode and you can use those ideas and then at the end of this episode you will hear all about my brand new jam-packed self 
study mini course. It's called the Mastering Meal Planning Mini Course. There's so much value there. I can say with absolute confidence that it is my highest value, lowest cost offer that I have ever created. So again, if you're interested in learning more and continuing to improve on your meal planning and grocery shopping skills from that intuitive eating lens, then not only listen to this episode and grab all of the free value that I share in the test run that you're about to hear, but also stick around until the end where you will get the full look behind the curtain about that meal planning mini course. And if you decide it's for you, there is, you know, full instruction here in the show notes on how to claim your spot in that mini course. But without further ado, we're going to skip the goal slayer post of the week. We're skipping anything else that we typically do in the start of an episode because I really want to have enough time here to share all the goodies on meal planning and grocery shopping and all the above. So without further ado, here's the test run of the meal plan like a pro workshop. Enjoy. All right, so we're going to talk about some non-diet approaches to meal planning that will help you honor your hunger and take the stress out of your daily eating decisions. Something I work on with my clients a lot is this idea of eating regularly throughout the day, right? One of the principles of intuitive eating is honor your hunger. And I think we can all agree that having somewhat of a plan or knowing how your meals are going to look is something that will really help you to not go too long in between your eating experiences experiences and it will make the decision of what do I eat when I'm hungry, it'll make that decision a little bit easier and again less stressful in the moment. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to take you through two client case studies. To protect the identities of my clients, I have made these anonymous. I have removed any potential identifying information from these, but my hope is in sharing some of these stories, A, you might be able to relate to some of the struggles that my clients have shared with me that they experience when it comes to meal planning and grocery shopping, and B, that you might be able to take some of the tools or the tidbits that I share with my clients and apply them to your own meal planning and grocery shopping endeavors. So this is my way of teaching by example and teaching through stories, which is, I know, something I always enjoy. So client case study number one. This client of mine was a single mom of two kiddos. So as you can imagine, if any moms are in the crowd, she had a lot on her plate pun intended. My puns are always <laughs> intentional. And she also had a really long history of yo-yo dieting for much, if not all of her adult life. She had done pretty much every diet in the book. There was calorie counting. There was macro tracking. There was keto. There was the Atkin diet. There was uh, intermittent fasting, right? I can't even think of all of them off the top of my mind because the list was long. Maybe some of you can relate there. And as a part of a lot of these previous dieting efforts, strict meal prep or strict meal planning was something that was often taught. Uh, she would share with me like, yeah, I've done the meal prep ahead of time. I've had my entire Sunday eaten up again, pun intended, by cooking everything and weighing ingredients and measuring them and portioning them really precisely into those tiny little containers that I don't think were ever really made big enough to hold enough fuel for an adult person. But 
Nevertheless, she spent a lot of time with this really strict version of meal prep. So when we started working together as a team, obviously one of her goals was to get away from this yo-yo cycle of dieting, to reconnect to her body's cues, and she realized that a really big part of that was needing to have some sort of plan when it comes to eating because she shared with me that she now found herself avoiding planning for meals altogether because the task felt too overwhelming. Whenever she would think of planning ahead for a meal, she would be taken back to this time in her life where meal planning was really overwhelming. It was really tedious. It took a ton of her time. So now she's kind of gone in the total opposite direction of not wanting to plan for anything because she doesn't know how to find that middle ground. So she ended up relying on takeout more often than she would like to, which is a habit that's coming becoming rather pretty expensive. You know, something that is really important to me when I'm working with a client is that we never shame a behavior of eating out or grabbing takeout, I always tell my clients fed is best. That applies to humans and little ones, right? The only thing that matters at the end of the day is that you're eating something. What that looks like or how that food is getting to your table doesn't matter as much as the food being present. But she shared with me, yeah, I don't have as much guilt or shame around the takeout as I used to, but doing this multiple times weekly is really infringing upon my budget and it's becoming really expensive. So that's a little idea of this client, some background there, and here are a couple of things that we worked on. First, she and I worked to redefine what meal planning even means, right? You'll remember a couple of moments ago when I was sharing her story, a previous version of her was only familiar with meal planning through a lens that was really restrictive and it was controlled by a lot of diet rules. And it was something that didn't allow her to honor her preferences and honor her body's cues in the moment, right? If she was measuring everything out days in advance, there was no real way of knowing how hungry she was actually gonna be in the moment. So we took that old version of meal planning and we started to pick it apart and redefine her relationship with planning ahead for meals. I tried to remind her that diet culture does not own meal planning. Yes, it can be a very diety behavior to prepare everything ahead of time to weigh it to measure it to calorie track it if the intentions are rooted in restriction yes this can be a dieting behavior but our intentions behind our food behaviors really matter so i shared with her if your intentions behind meal planning now are so that you can honor your hunger and the hunger of your kids when you all need to eat that's a non-diet intention. If your intentions are to save money throughout the week so that you can budget for other things that your family needs or wants, that is a non-diet intention. If your intention is to plan ahead so that you have less stress around the what's for dinner mom question, right? Then that is a non-diet intention. So first point here, Diet culture does not own meal planning and your intentions behind your prepping decisions and how you approach planning for meals really matters. 
The second thing we did is we tried to identify which meals throughout her week felt the most stressful. I wanted to do this with her because I've had many a client share with me in the past that if we try to set this really big goal of I want to plan every single meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next seven days, that feels really overwhelming. That's a lot of meals and a lot of ideas and a lot of ingredients that we have to come up with all at once. So when we were focusing on this new approach to meal planning, I said, how would it feel if we just tried to focus on dinner, for example? Yes, you're still going to be eating breakfast and lunch, but we're not trying to change or shift anything with those meals yet. Keep going there as you have been. The only thing that we're going to work on tweaking and using some of these new tools with is dinner because she shared with me that is oftentimes where I feel like I lose control of things, where I'm the most stressed. You know, at the end of my day when I've already made a thousand and a half decisions, the last thing I want to think about is dinner. So she felt that working on a plan and thinking ahead of time for that meal, we would uh, get the most bang for our buck, if you will. That would be where the most positive change was going to lie. So the third thing that we worked on, this is really important not only for people with families, but human beings in general who are eating. We worked on removing guilt and shame from the thought of using convenience foods, right? These foods that are canned, these foods that are boxed, these foods that line the aisles of the freezer section, because at the end of the day, food is food is food. There is no such thing as a perfect eater. It simply does not exist. And foods that are canned, frozen, and other pre-prepared items can really do wonders in making mealtime more accessible and more affordable. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier when I was describing um, this client's backstory. I said the thing that matters most is that we are eating and we are providing our body and our minds fuel. If the way that's going to happen is by relying on some of these foods that don't require as much prep or as much of your time in order to get these foods on the plate or on the table, then we need to be using those. And there is no guilt and no shame associated with that. In fact, a lot of canned foods and a lot of frozen foods are just as nutritionally dense and nutritionally adequate as fresh items. I know it's really this diet culture myth that, you know, fresh is best and never used anything processed, but frozen items are actually peaked at their, uh, p- picked rather at their peak ripeness. That's hard to say, but they're picked at their peak ripeness and they are frozen immediately, which means all of those nutrients, specifically when it comes to frozen produce, all of them are locked in immediately and you don't have to worry about them rotting in the back of your fridge if you forget about them or if you have a busy day and you don't end up cooking. So frozen, amazing. A lot of canned foods as well can make out of season produce, to use an example, really accessible. It can also make getting protein into your meals a lot easier, a lot more time efficient. I think of things like beans or other canned legumes, right? Delicious 
fibers, a lot of staying power there. Also really friendly for anyone in your house who maybe doesn't eat meat. Um, but if you are eating meat, things like canned chicken or canned beef is going to be not only more cost effective, but it doesn't require all of the chopping and the raw meat in the house. So if we really work to make peace, with some of these convenience options, we see that we have so many more options available in the grocery store that can make mealtime easier. Client case study number two, a little bit of a different vibe here, but this client of mine was a healthcare worker and she would work very long shift hours as many if not all healthcare workers do and she would tell me that these long hours made honoring her hunger throughout the day really challenging right if you're working a 12-hour shift especially if it's a rough day in the hospital and your patients need you all the time Honoring your body's cues is probably not going to be at the top of your priority list if you and your care is like life or death, literally for another person. So she said, hey, it's hard for me to honor my hunger throughout the day. She followed that up by describing to me that she would eat when she had the chance, right? If she got a five minute break, she would run to the break room and eat something from her lunchbox. So she was getting some fuel in throughout the day, but she often found that she was hungry again soon after eating, right? She would have what she thought was a filling and a satisfying meal, but it wouldn't hold her over for any time at all. And last little descriptor here is she would often skip dinner when she would get home from work because she would walk in the door, she would feel way too exhausted to cook, let alone brainstorm a meal from scratch. It was just much easier and in alignment with her energy levels to be able to collapse on the couch for a while when she got home from work. And as a result, since she wasn't eating dinner, she really hadn't eaten much of anything substantial throughout the day, she would find herself feeling pretty out of control, her words there, around food and around her pantry and snack items before she would go to bed. So a couple of things that this client and I worked on. First, we worked on this idea of functional eating. So functional eating is a concept that when a lot of people learn about it within the intuitive eating framework, they're excited to know this exists because intuitive eating is often talked about in a way of, you know, eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. And sure, honor your hunger and feel your fullness are two of the 10 principles of intuitive eating, but we cannot solely rely on our hunger cues to make eating decisions. Sometimes we have to make a functional eating decision, i.e. we have to eat something now even though we might not be hungry because maybe the way our day is going to pan out, we know that we won't have the opportunity to eat at regular, regular intervals hard to say, uh, later throughout the day or throughout the afternoon. So this idea of functional eating, I, I brought up to her, I said, how might it feel if we don't wait for your hunger cues to show up to have a snack or to have a meal. If you have a moment at work, 
Even if you're not hungry, go ahead and try to eat something, a snack, a meal, whatever you might be able to get down or have the time for so that you hopefully won't be as famished or as unpleasantly hunger, unpleasantly hungry at the end of the day. The second thing that we worked on was assessing what some of her go-to meals might be missing. So I did a little um, activity with her that some of you might find helpful if you want to do this at some point on your own, but I asked her to write down a couple of her go-to meals that she would often bring to work with her. What is usually in your lunch pail? What is in that Tupperware container, right? What are some of these options that you often find yourself eating during the day, but then not too long after, you're already feeling hungry again. Because odds are when that happens, we're probably not eating enough, or maybe the foods that we are eating don't have enough staying power, which brings me to my first idea here. So staying power is the idea that certain foods keep us fueled and keep us filled for longer than other foods. This isn't a moralizing foods type of thing. This isn't me saying eat certain foods and never eat the other, right? We need a variety of foods throughout our day to feel satisfied and to feel full. But to offer an example, foods that are dense in carbohydrates, let's take a bag of pretzels, delicious, we love the crunch, we love pretzels, but if we are just eating pretzels on their own, they're not gonna have a ton of staying power because carbohydrates are our body's preferred source of quick and fast energy, meaning we digest them rather quickly. So if we're only eating something that contains carbohydrates, it makes sense why we're gonna be hungry soon thereafter eating. So wouldn't you know it, a lot of the meals that she was bringing were filled with carbohydrates, which is amazing. Again, we need carbohydrates for our brain fuel, for our muscle fuel, for the rest of our body. But if we are only having those, we're not going to get that lasting energy we need. A food with more staying power are going to be foods that are a little bit more dense in proteins, in fats, and in fiber as well. So this brings me to the second tool or idea that I shared with this client. This is something that I call the idea of threes, and it's one of my absolute favorite meal planning tools. If any of my current or past clients are listening, this is going to sound familiar to you. So the idea of threes is this concept that in order for most of our meals to be both filling and satisfying, we need foods from at least three different food groups to be present. So here we are talking grains, we are talking fruits, veggies, proteins or meats or you know uh, meat free proteins if you're of the vegetarian mind and then dairy or dairy substitutes those are our five food groups and if we can aim to combine foods from at least three of those food groups in most of our meals notice i said most not all because all is probably unrealistic and it's not going to fit all of the time but most of the time if we can do this we are going to get a meal that is delicious it is satisfying it probably has some stuff we enjoy in there and it's going to have the nutrients both the carbohydrates it's probably going to have some proteins might have some fats as well that are going to keep us 
full for a little bit longer after we eat. So you can imagine for this client who had really long shift work, this was really incredible for her to be able to implement because she found her energy lasting her much longer after her meals. And the last thing that we talked about was making sure that dinner was thought about at least somewhat before she got home from work. So how did we do this? The idea of threes, we said, how can we use this as a brainstorming strategy to think up some easy meal ideas where I could have these ingredients on hand when I get home? We also talked about similar to the last client case study, but we talked about convenience items. How can I take some of these items from certain food groups and bring them into my home in a way that's easier for me to cook them? Something like quick rice, right? Rice that you microwave instead of rice that has to sit on the stove for 20 minutes. We talked about some pre-cooked protein options, right? The rotisserie chicken that's already cooked and ready to go so she didn't have to be, you know, slaving over raw meats when she got home. I guess you could also use the example of some of those canned proteins I talked about earlier that would add a little bit more convenience there. And the last thing that we talked about, a question that I gave her to think about, I said, what can you prep ahead of time? So what I don't mean here is cooking everything and portioning it into containers, but if she was bringing in a food from a food group that was gonna take more time to prepare, I asked, is there any way that you could cook this in an easy, basic way so that all you have to do when you get home is scoop it out of a container, right? You can portion it to the level that aligns with your hunger cues in the moment when you get home from work, but it's already cooked and you don't have to think about it. So things that often fall into this category are things like grains that take longer to cook, proteins, if you are enjoying some fresh produce, specifically veggies that take time to chop, is there a way you could chop them or buy them pre-chopped ahead of time so that you don't have to think about it and use what little energy and time you have left when you get home to do that. So I hope you found this helpful, a little uh, stroll down memory lane with some previous clients, but now I want to flip the script and say that you, you listening, are the case study. So what do I mean by this? I mean that we're gonna get into a little meal planning activity. So if you wanna whip out a piece of paper, that would be great. If you just wanna visualize this in your mind, feel free. I recommend writing it down or recording this in some way, shape, or form so that you have some meal ideas brainstormed after you listen here. I think that could be a great way to approach it. So in this meal planning activity, I have a couple of steps that I'm gonna walk you through and then you can take however much time you need to brainstorm. So step one is going to be to grab a piece of paper, turn it horizontally, and then create three columns on the page by drawing two lines, maybe one about a third of the way through the page and the other, like, I don't know, near the end. Hopefully you can visualize what I mean here, but we have the paper turned horizontally and we have three columns made by drawing two lines. Step two, you're gonna label the columns meal idea one, meal idea two, and meal idea three. So hopefully by the end of this brainstorming activity, you will have three meal ideas 
brainstormed, thought up that you can use, maybe even as soon as your next grocery shopping trip. Step three, at the top of each column, I want you to write down one food from a food group category. If you have forgotten the five food groups that I listed off earlier, I will say them again now. But again, we are looking for one food from each food group category in each of your three columns. You can pick one food from the same food group category each time. If you want to do all grains, you can. You can mix it up. Maybe in one column you put a grain and the next column you put a protein. Any way you like it here. The activity is yours, but we want to pick one food from each of the following food group categories. So first category, we have grains, things like your breads, your pastas, your rice, your tortillas. Second category, we have meats or vegetarian proteins, depending on what your preference is. Chicken, beef, you could put tofu here, tempeh. Anything you like, that is protein dense. Third, we have fruits. Fourth, we have veggies. So for the fruits and veggie categories, remember that you can choose fresh, you can choose frozen, you can choose canned. All of these are morally, emotionally, and nutritionally equivalent. So whatever is going to be most accessible for you, whatever is most satisfying, whatever you like the most, those are your fruits and veggies. And the fifth and final food group category is dairy or dairy alternatives. So it really depends if you can do dairy, if you like it, if you can't do it, if it doesn't settle with you, choose something like, um, I don't know, the dairy-free cheese shreds or whatever else, soy milk instead of normal milk or oat milk, whatever your milk preference might be. So to recap, recap here, in each column, you now have one food listed from one food group category. Step four, I want you to brainstorm two additional foods from a different food group category, now to add to the base food in each of your columns. So let's say in column one, you wrote down rice. I don't know why I always use rice as an example. I love rice. It's easy to make. It's fueling and it can go with a lot of things. So rice is always on my mind. So let's say you wrote rice. Now the question becomes, what can I add from a different food group to this base food that might work together in a meal? So maybe you say, Mm, let's use that rotisserie chicken example I, I told you about earlier. So you write rotisserie chicken. Right, next up, we need one more food from a different food group category to add here. So maybe you say, I want black beans. I want a can of black beans and it's gonna be a burrito bowl. Maybe you say, I want a shred of cheese or I want mm, some cucumbers and tomatoes on top. Right, the possibilities are endless here, but all we are looking for is foods from three different food group categories in each of your columns. So take however long you need to and make sure you end up with three different foods in each of these columns. 
Now, the fifth and the final step here is I want you to consider what we call the satisfaction factor. Find the satisfaction factor is actually one of the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And it's really important because if we are ending our eating experiences, feeling physically full, but not mentally satisfied, then we're going to keep fixating on food. We're going to keep thinking about it and we're not going to have that mental energy freed up that we need to do other important things throughout the day. So we need both fullness and satisfaction. And that's why this step five is really important because I want you to look at the foods you have listed out in each of these columns. And I want you to ask yourself, is there anything final that I might need to add to each of these meals to help with the finishing touch, to help add a little bit of satisfaction? So let's go back to that burrito bowl example that I was building. Let's say you have rice and rotisserie chicken and you have some black beans. Maybe you say, in order for this meal to really be pulled together, I need some kind of topping. Maybe I need a salsa. Maybe I need cheese. Maybe I need a drizzle of sriracha or sriracha mayo if you like it spicy. So really here with step five, when you're considering the satisfaction factor, I invite you to look to sauces, dips, dressings, toppings, anything you might need to add to those base ingredients to zhuzh it up a little, if you will, to make it taste better, to really kind of tie those flavors together and make the meal even more delicious. So hopefully now at the end of this activity, you have a couple of meals brainstormed using that idea of threes. You've maybe even incorporated some convenience items in there so you can start using them and making peace with those foods. And hopefully too, throughout your brainstorming process, you were able to keep in mind some of those reminders that I shared from the client case studies to help you you know, give yourself permission to plan meals in a way that makes sense for you and that includes ingredients that are accessible and ingredients that are actually going to get used instead of falling to the back of your fridge because you never had the time or the energy to prepare those things. Now that we've made it to the end of our presentation, the, the bulk of our episode here, I want to introduce to you something that I have been working on over the past few months that I am so excited to finally share with you publicly. This is something that I wish I had when I had first started as a registered dietitian in the intuitive eating, in the non-diet space. It's something that I've thought about creating for a while, but I have only recently taken action on it. It's something, again, that I wish I would have had because over my years as a dietitian in this non-diet space, I have received, as you maybe can imagine, a lot of questions about meal planning or grocery shopping or how do I do X, Y, and Z? How do I navigate the grocery store? How do I pick out what products are going to make the most sense for me? And I would always, of course, answer these questions as they would come to me in DMs or via email or in my sessions with one-on-one -on -one clients, but I have never in my years as a dietitian, I've never found a comprehensive and a valuable resource that talks about 
meal planning and grocery shopping without a side of diet culture. So I created it. I created something that I am calling my Mastering Meal Planning Mini Course. This is a jam-packed, self-paced course to help you shop, plan, and prep your meals as an intuitive eater. So let's go through what is included in this mini course. It has three audio coaching modules that are jam-packed with tools and strategies to help you plan your grocery shopping and your meal planning endeavors with confidence. So module one is a non-diet approach to meal planning. I share even more than I did in this presentation today. I go more in depth on the idea of threes. I take you through how I organize my meals, how we organize the fridge. I take you through some meal prepping like strategies once you actually get in the kitchen, what to do with those foods, how to make this process easier on yourself. That's all in module one. Module two is grocery shopping myths debunked. So I go through some of the most common and some of the worst myths that I hear around foods and grocery shopping. Things like conventional versus organic foods. What's the best to buy? I go through things like processed foods and are they really as scary as we make them out to be? I go through ingredients and is it really good advice to say don't eat what you can't pronounce? We unpack that one a little bit. We also talk about well, what if my ancestors didn't eat it? Should I be eating it? Right? We go through all of those myths and I offer you the latest research and the takeaways that you need to make your trips to the grocery store less confusing and less frustrating and again, more streamlined so that you can get in, get out and save your money in the process. And the third and the final module is a stress less guide to navigating the grocery store. I walk you through how to plan your grocery list. I give you my template. We talk about uh, money saving hacks and time saving hacks, all of the above. In addition to those three audio coaching modules, you also get some downloadable worksheets that go along with each of those modules to walk you through the brainstorming, the planning, and the grocery list making process. Like I said, there's a grocery shopping template. I have a whole list compiled of my favorite easy and satisfying meal ideas that my clients love. I have a building, a satisfying meal guide, and there's lots more in there to dig into as well. And lastly, all mini course participants get lifetime access to all of the course materials so that you can go at your own pace and you can revisit or re-listen to each coaching lesson as often as you need to. There are two options for getting started with this Mastering Meal Planning mini course. The first option is under $100, and this is the mini course on its own. I call this the a la carte Mastering Meal Planning mini course, and it is $97 total. Your mini course experience starts as soon as you enroll. You get access to all of the course materials, and again, you get to keep those for as long as we both shall live. <laughs> um, you get full access to those and you can listen to those coaching modules as often as you need. Option two 
is full access to the meal planning mini course and a 45 minute coaching call Q&A session with me. The coaching call is to be booked after you have finished all the course material. And this is really for you if you want my eyes, ears, and expertise on your personal meal planning and grocery shopping endeavor. So if you want me in there with you giving personalized recommendations, helping you brainstorm, helping you figure out what's going to make the most sense for you and your family, this is the coaching call for you. You also have the time within that coaching call to ask me any question related to the content that we cover in the course. So anything nutrition, meal planning, grocery shopping related. Again, you will have my personal eyes, ears, and expertise on your journey to answer your questions. So if you opt for option two, that is $246 total, again, for full access to the mini course and that one-time 45-minute Q&A coaching call with me. So if you would like to learn more about the mini course, if you are wanting to get started, I would love to have you in our course community so that I can support you and encourage you and be there with you as you work to heal your relationship with food one meal and one grocery trip at a time. That was a tongue twister. If you want more information on the course or if you'd like to enroll, all of the information is going to be in the show notes, the link to the website where you can read all of this in print, everything I just went through, the link to the website is in today's show notes. I hope to see you in that course very soon. If you're thinking the course isn't for me, then I hope you still got something out of this podcast episode, having my client case studies, walking through a couple of meal examples. I hope you found this valuable. If you're still on the fence about the mini course, again, visit the website, read all of the information. You can find the link in today's show notes. And this $97 price point for the mini course, carts are going to close at that price on June 13th of 2022. So if you're listening before June 13th and you want to get started, I invite you to do so as now you can get the course under $100. After June 13th, again, carts are going to be closed at that price point. So if you think this is for you, it probably is. If you have any questions that I could answer for you, please send me an email, claire at clairetuning.com. I answer all of my emails personally. I would love to hear from you and clarify anything that I can. But until next time on the Your Shuli podcast, thank you for being here with me. If you liked today's episode, go ahead and tap five stars, leave a rating and review if you feel so inclined. And I'm looking forward to seeing you back here in a couple of weeks for a new guest episode. But until then, take care and I'll see you soon in our mini course.